As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, everyone. It's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ Network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to now. Search for Divisor wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D E V. I-S-E-R, or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information. Hi everyone, Ben here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Rich Jones, Heather Paulson, Laura Green, Ren Griffin-Harrigan, Anthony Sigmund-Lowry, Jimmy Smith, Alexander Everett, Victoria Barnett, Emmett Lou Moon, Ken Blakely. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Rusty Quill presents the Magnus Archives. Episode 89, Twice as Bright. Funny, Miss Perry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Care to share? I've 
I think it's pretty obvious. Look, I lost my normal coat and it, it's cold. Some of us actually feel it, you know. You wouldn't shake my hand. Well, no, I'm not stupid. Whatever the lightless flame is. Look, will you stop that? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate explaining jokes, but, um... <clears throat> imagine you're, um, a butcher. And one day, an injured little lamb walks into your workshop and strides right into one of the mincing machines. But when you go up to it, knife in hand, it shakes its head and says, I'm not stupid. You get why that's funny. Right. No more abattoir metaphors, please. I suppose it's not really me, is it? Would you rather be a really stupid piece of firewood? I just have a few questions. Did you burn down a section of Gwydir Forest last year? Not alone, but yes. You should have seen how devastated they were. Such a loss. I'm sure the Forestry Commission were mortified. Why? Stop that! And it was because Nicola Orsinov asked us to. She was done with the place and we're always happy to help. When that help is destroying something someone loves. But I... No more questions, Arkvist. You were a friend of Agnes Montague, correct? She's not one of your little stories. According to the statement of Jack Barnabas, she very much is. <laughs> that burnt-faced little runt. He got what was coming to him. Just like... Yes, yes, I understand. You could easily kill me. I'm at your mercy. Blah, blah, blah. I've heard it before, and from things much scarier than you. That a fact? Okay, so why haven't you done it? We're in public. Well, you're not. You're hardly keeping your voice down. You talk about God and death and demons, nice and loud, and watch people bend over backwards not to listen to what you're saying. No one cares. If you say so. Are you trying to talk me into killing you? If I wanted, I could reach through your chest like Ronnie Wax and hold your heart while it cooked. No one would even notice if I didn't give you time to scream. Right. Right. So why don't you? Does your god not want you to? Mm, hard to say. When I look at you, I feel that burning liquid pain eager to flow out and purify your rotten carcass. But I feel that a lot. Oh. More or less than normal. Hard to say when every nerve ending's on fire. Hard to tell degrees. Third degree, maybe? Oh, oh sorry. Sorry, I was... It was a... I have a god too, right? Is that another joke? No, I... I'm new to this. Everyone keeps calling me archivist, like I, I'm special and that I... I serve the eye trying to kill me for it. Yes. So it, it's, it's like your god, right? Oh, please. Your god is nothing. The eye-beholding, ceaseless watcher, whatever you call it, that's all it does. It watches and knows, sitting bulbous and comfortable in the ignorance of infinite knowledge. I serve a reckoning, 
A surging tide of destruction and pain. The lightless flame. <laughs> the desolation. Blackened earth. The destructive, agonizing heat of burning flesh and land scoured of life. The light, the comfort of fire stripped from it, leaving nothing for the terror of its approach. When it triumphs, it will leave the eye a burned and shriveled husk that sees nothing but its own agony. I see. So, if one, if one wants to watch everything to know everything, and the other wants to destroy, you don't even know what this is about, do you? So, tell me. An archivist pleading for knowledge. That, oh, that is satisfying to see. Look, if you're just, you're just about my only lead, and if you're. Just kill me, all right, if it's so easy, if you're not going to tell me anything worth my time. Now you're sounding like an archivist. Oh, no, I'm obviously not going to kill you. Why not? Consider it a favour. Thank you. Not for you, for Elias. I don't... Wait, but... No, I mean, if I serve Beholding, or... he he's in a lot deeper than I am, I think. The rumour is he killed Gertrude Robinson. If so, I feel like I owe him. And he clearly wants you alive, so... What? No, but she was the last archivist, so your your god... Why? The unfathomable contest of eternal forces is not the only reason I might want someone dead. So... So tell me the story of why you wanted Gertrude... Ah! 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 Try to compel me again, and I'll burn it out of your mouth. Now you're scared, now you're getting it. There's no safety in sitting on the sidelines watching. The audience is only safe when the story isn't about them. Fine, fine. Keep your damn secrets. No. Maybe I do want to tell you a story. If it's not about Gertrude or Gwydir, and I, I can't talk about it. Right. Then what? I'm going to give you some advice. Oh, fantastic. Well? Aren't you going to say your words? Statement of Jude Perry regarding... some advice. Recorded direct from subject, April 24th, 2017. Statement begins. If you smother a flame, it dies. The only way it grows and flourishes is if you feed it. It's about making sure you find enough fuel for it, and not caring where it comes from. If you spend your time hiding and fretting about who you hurt, you'll sputter. And you'll die, as surely as any candle. Don't be afraid to burn. The pain is sensational. You feel your flesh cooking, your nerves screaming out as they die exquisitely. Your whole body changes texture 
as you become that which feeds the fire. And in that agonizing, beautiful transformation, you can feel it ignite again and again and again. At least, that's how it feels for me. I don't know how it would feel for you. <laughs> Maybe you get an itchy eye. I don't care. Point is, whatever form it takes, you have to feed it for it to grow strong. Otherwise, you're the one that gets consumed. I never hid my flame. Not once. Even before I found my god, I burned as bright as I liked, and those who came too close simply ended up fueling my brilliance. At the time, the closest thing I had to God was cocaine, though I also spent my evenings as an acolyte to alcohol. But my true thrill was money. Not mine, of course, though I had plenty, but the money of others I could fling upon the pyre of the stock market. Whether it ignited into something more, or simply burned down to ash, meant nothing to me. It was the thrill that I craved. This was decades ago now. I was one of the top bankers for... It doesn't matter, they're not important. <laughs> not to mention that a series of severe fires has long since put them out of business. The point was that I burned through too much of myself because I didn't know what else I could burn. My girlfriend saw it, though she had no idea how to help with the deep depression that had settled over me. I never slept much to begin with, but now even the choice seemed denied to me. I was sluggish and listless at work, and people began to notice. My rating began to drop. My colleagues would whisper and not so subtly leave me off invitations for what little socialising there was. I was burnt out in every sense but one, and that was the one that saved me. It was Agnes, of course. I don't know where she found me, I only remember sitting in a booth with a beautiful young woman who smelled like matches and incense. I was drinking coffee so hot it peeled the skin from the roof of my mouth. But I didn't care. Because looking at her filled me with every kind of heat. We were talking about sacrifice. About power. About things that even now I struggle to fully understand. She was soft-spoken and shy and... Gradually became aware of other people stood around us. There seemed nothing remarkable about them at first. Different clothes, different ages, just a dozen or so unremarkable strangers. There was something in their faces, though. A vicious hunger that I knew mirrored my own. And they all looked at Agnes with such devotion. One of them, a round-faced black woman I'd later know as Sandy, squatted down next to me and stared into my face. She made a noise of dismissal and leaned in close to stare at me. She said, I don't think so. And her breath hit me like a furnace. I instinctively thrust out a hand to push her away, but as I touched her face, she remained still and instead my hand sank into it like 
softened candle wax. I screamed, but if anyone heard me, they didn't do anything. I could only stare as thick rivulets of molten flesh flowed down my arm and onto the ground, and Sandy's body shook as though with laughter, even as my hand stayed encased in her warped and yielding head. I probably don't need to describe how much it hurt. It would be a long time before I was able to use the hand again. At last, I calmed down enough to pull my scalded, wax-encrusted hand from her head. She stood up, pressed her fingers to her face, and calmly squeezed it back into shape. It didn't look exactly the same as before, though there was no mistaking the voice that came from her lips. She turned to Agnes and nodded her approval. Agnes, for her part, had been talking this entire time, I realised, and somehow I had been listening. I knew what to do. Nicholas Tregenza was the one that I chose. I had other colleagues I hated far more, of course, and in many ways I might have even called Nick a friend, but unlike so many of the others, he had a lot to live for. His wife, Julie, had just given birth to a squalling brat that he'd named Desmond. Awful name for a baby. And he'd saved enough money to move away from London entirely. He'd just bought a house. When he spoke to me, he had hope in his face. And so much life in him, it still makes me smile to think about it. I invited him out for a drink to celebrate his good fortune got him drunk and stabbed him to death in a filthy alleyway near the edge of the Docklands. He didn't even have the wherewithal to look surprised. His skin didn't yield as easily as Sandy's had, but I suppose that's what knives are for, isn't it? And just like that, he was dead. And I felt no different. I had a minute of blind panic. How could I have been such an idiot? I hadn't even planned ahead to consider how I might dump the body. I was just so desperate to stoke the fire. I still felt sputtering inside me. Then all at once I saw the faintest tongues of smoke creeping around his body. In an instant it was burning and I was surrounded by that smell of matches and incense mixed with an oily smell like cooking pork and as he burned I felt my senses sharpen my limbs were alive with searing energy and my heart was aglow with love the agonizing terrifying love of something that I knew must be a god. My god. The lightless inferno of desolation, of pain and destruction. My tears of joy were nothing but steam. Nick's body didn't completely burn to ash. Of course not. There needed to be something to identify. After all, what does my god care about death? It was the destruction of his life that it hungered for. 
the agony and fear of his wife and child, those that loved him, so they had to know he was dead. Killed and mutilated in a pointless and unforeseeable act of unutterable violence. Then it was simply a matter of forging his signature on a few documents implicating him in some very illegal transactions to get his assets stripped from him. Oh, and burning down the new house, of course. And with each act of glorious, hateful destruction, I felt my God's love embrace me, consume me, give me life. Any feelings of pity or mercy I might have had for the poor woman I fed from were cauterized. Julie's dead now, of course, though I do keep half an eye on their son Desmond, see if he has anything worth taking from him. At first I channeled this new energy into my job and my relationship. Gretchen and I had never been happier as I moved from one success to the next. I think she realized there was something else going on, though. Perhaps she suspected how much my mind drifted to Agnes when I held her in my arms. I know she wondered about how I started keeping petrol in the cupboard, and about my newfound love of scented candles, but she never asked, never even mentioned it. Perhaps on some level she knew as well as I did where we were headed, but there are some things you just have to accept that in the end they'll cause you pain. I should have been caught, really, for all that it gifted to me. My faith did little to hide my crimes beyond ensuring they were scoured of physical evidence. And I know the police were investigating a possible serial murderer targeting people in my industry. But for whatever reason, they never gave me a second look. I later learned my new brothers and sisters of the Lightless Flame had taken it upon themselves to help hide my crimes. But even they are only human. Some of them, at least. I now know they were simply guiding me upon the path to my true epiphany. All this time I was serving my god, but only for my own glory. But with each new gift, each renewal of the fire, I saw how lifeless and hollow it was, how grey and ashen my existence had become. It became clear that where once I had destroyed to fuel my life, I now live for the pain that I caused, and for Agnes, my sweet, hopeless Agnes. And so I ended it. For all the agony and pain on Gretchen's face, she didn't seem surprised when I doused myself in kerosene and set it to light. I think she screamed. She must have screamed, but I couldn't hear it. As the heat warped my bones and bubbled my flesh, all I heard was the loving exaltation of my god. Huh. I suppose you did compel me after all. But, but what about, um... Ah, ah, ah. Try again, and I will actually kill you. I don't care what favours your boss might have done for me. I will tell my story to your smouldering corpse. Fine. I just wanted to know when it happened, is all. I met Agnes in 1989 and completed my transformation in 1991. Oh. It's just that you don't... I mean, you don't seem like you're, what, in your 50s? All burnt to a crisp. 
Wax is remarkably easy to mold. Oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh come on. <clears throat> you're going to need a much stronger stomach than that if you're going to walk this path. I, I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> it's like you're not even listening. You have your god as I have mine. Feed it fearlessly and without hesitation, or it will feed on you. But I don't... I, don't, I mean, I mean, what do I feed it? Eh, you're the one it picked. Not a great choice, if you ask me. I didn't ask you. Look, is there anything else you can tell me? Yes. Anything you're willing to tell me? No. And I suppose I could talk to anyone else in your, um... It's fine, you can call it a cult. And no, they wouldn't hesitate. They're not as friendly as I am. Well, thank you for the advice and the dead end. Wait. Hmm? If you're really keen to keep chatting to things that could kill you, I might know someone. We're not on great terms. He's closer to your lot than mine, but I know where he exists. Who? Uh, what is he? Calls himself Mike. Michael? I guess Mike is normally short for Michael, yeah. Corridors were weird limbs, laughs like a, a headache. What? No. He's pale, got a big weird scar, smells of, um... Oh, like ozone! Yeah, that's the one. Hangs around with the Fairchild sometimes. Michael Crew. That's him. I know where you can find him. Where? Not for free. Okay. What do you want? Nothing much. Just shake my hand. What? You hurt my feelings earlier. I want you to shake my hand. Come on. It won't hurt. Fine. I lied. The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims and directed by Alexander J. Newell. To subscribe, view associated material, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. Visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Join our communities on the forum via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, everyone. It's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ Network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to now. Search for Divisor wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D-E-V-I-S-E-R. Or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information.